Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. Our guest today is Marshall Watson. He is a interior designer in New York. He has a book with, called The Art of Elegance, Classic Interiors by Rizzoli. And your work has been featured in Architectural Digest, House Beautiful, Traditional Home, Veranda, many more. And we are so thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Well, thank you. I couldn't be more happy to be here. <laughs> we I, all poured over your book. I did. And oh, I read it really? back oh, to front today. And That's was, interesting because I read books back to front too. I do the oh, same front thing. to back. Sorry. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the whole book was right when you talk about the Fifth Avenue classic that you did, and you wrote um, that hiring a New York designer is the best. Oh, is is you get the best because so many obstacles are thrown in your path, and there's nothing you can't overcome. And I loved that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Because you're always... like you when you dig into a space there in New York, you never know what you're going to find. Well, you never know what you're going to find, but also you the obstacles that we're talking about. You have to remember that that people live above you, so you can't just like, you know, get rid of the risers, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't chop off the electrical because I think a couple of people above you are going to be a little bit affected by that. Mm-hmm. And also you're always you're always limited in in space always spatially. So every room has to make sense. You can't have just a museum living room. You can't have a museum library. Every room has to have multifunctions. And of course, I always say, you know, it's it's all about where do we put where do we put the TV and how do we hide it? Mm-hmm. Uh, great. Because every room, because every room is about you know that that is one of the functions of the room. Now, of course, with with um, laptops and that sort of thing, people are people can. Uh, take their entertainment mobily ar- around their apartments. Do you but believe was, in hiding it? I believe it, it depends on what kind of apartment. Um, mm. I, the, the thing is, is that unless your scheme really, really requires and enjoys a big black shiny square, then, then no, I don't. I want to hide it. But if, right. but if the scheme says, you know. This is this is all part of it. I I just don't. If, if if you ever notice when they photograph apartments with TVs on the walls, there's always something on the TV, right? There's always like a you know they, right. they capture a film, they capture a picture, mm-hmm. something like that. But most of the time, these TVs just hang on the wall as this big black thing, right? And so you know, and and then it also becomes a major focus. People are always. Uh, looking at it, and people tend to arrange all their furniture facing the television. So mm-hmm. right. I try to combat that a little bit. So what are your best techniques for that? Because yeah. I feel like we all don't want to see it. But Well, when I write my third book, which will be <gasps> Where Do I Put the TV and How I the Hell it. Do I Hide It? <laughs> I will I show you. I will. I think it would be too. But I. But I will be showing you a lot of the techniques. I've done so many different things. Um, 
uh, a lot of times I employ it in the, I work it into the paneling of the room. I believe in, I, first of all, I just believe in very strong architecture in a room. I believe in getting the architecture right first, and then everything else seems to fall into place. I'm always trying to a, a accentuate the, the positive in the room, and always, if the architecture is good, I want to accent that. But I use decorating to hide the problems of a room. Mm -hmm. ah. The thing that I thought that was most just incredible and uh, says so much about your talent, and um, you had a great quote that I'm just going to read because you just said it so eloquently. Um in, it was in the introduction to the book, and you said, I have sought to design without a personal signature style to absent myself to the greatest possible extent and make each project about realizing and refining my client's most heartfelt fantasies Fantasy of home. Of home. Yes. yes. I yeah. loved that, and it really, really showed in the body of work in your in your book because there is just so much variety, and you know, you have some very... Um, clean contemporary spaces. There's the one. Um, was it? It was in Salt Lake City, I believe. Um, Actually, Lord, no, there's one in California. Well, it was in, in California. It was the, at the, the all white. Yes. Yes. Okay. All, it's, it's all white. It's in, um, um, a Newport then, Beach. Newport Beach. Okay. And then there's you know very traditional New York. Um, there's there really there are Midwestern homes that are you know. The More Swedish like ones. Yes, the Swedish yes. home. Oh my gosh, there's just. I want to talk about that one. An Mexico, amazing. Mexico. Mexico. Oh, oh gosh, yes. Oh yeah. And, and Napa. There are too many to name. To me was that each of them, and I'm sure this was intentional in the book, each of them really embraced its location and reflected, mm -hmm. I guess, the location, of course, and the homeowner. But I, when you look in, on your portfolio on your side, it's the same thing. When you look sort of at the grid of it, in a grid of 12 or 16 or whatever it is, it's it's amazing to look at, like Caroline saying, the breadth of style that you've been able to mm -hmm. just perfectly put out there for your clients. How are you doing that? How are you making yourself absent from these projects? Well, first of all, thank you. That's <laughs> the biggest compliment I could get because it's been the pursuit of my entire career. I'm going to oh, go good back. Yes. Claps yes. all the way around. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I, um, I'm going to go back a little bit uh, in my career because it, it, the basis, the beginning of my career talks very much about how I have pursued my entire career. Um, I, uh, I was trained as a designer and artist uh, when I went to school in California. When I went to Stanford, I, was, I studied art engineering and um, and English. Those were my. Th I had a triple major in those two things, and I loved all of them. I always loved the theater. I always loved art, and I always loved design. But um, I was uh, I, the, my first uh, pursuit. My first career was theater design. And when you're designing a Neil Simon play, it's totally different than designing Henry V Shakespeare. Uh, it's different if mm -hmm. you're designing a soap opera or if you are designing a, um, uh, a, a, a movie, you know, movie production. And so you're trained as a theater designer to be extremely flexible, but the primary thing that you can't know everything in life, right? So the important thing is research. And I was taught 
that one of the greatest things about my education, I was taught how to research and also taught the love of research. So whenever I go into an environment, when I went to Las Cabos in Mexico, I researched Mexican architecture to the T. And I also, I, and, and from where it, whence it came, it came from Italian, you know, Italian Renaissance architecture. It came also from Spanish architecture and also from the Muslim world as well. So I loved the research in that. When I went to Sweden, I researched everything I could uh, on Sweden. It wasn't just my clients. But then my second career taught me because I was an actor for many years. I, when I actually came out of Stanford with this marvelous education, it was 1975, there were no jobs for designers. I couldn't get a job. There, <laughs> there was nothing, but I could get a job acting. And so I, I for years, uh, was a, a professional actor and then went to school for it. And then I came, then I I, I worked, and, and in working as an actor, I was more interested in being a character actor versus a leading man. It wasn't about me as a personality. It was about who that character was. Uh, you know, what are their for foibles? What are their dreams? What are their hopes? What are their aspirations? What are, what are their weaknesses? What is their psychology? And so that basically led me into my interest in my clients and their lives and who they are and what they want. I've had fascinating clients in my life, as well as these unbelievable places that I've been able to design, these in, uh, incredible locations. So having been a character actor taught me, taught me how to look at people. Uh, being a theater designer taught me how to do the research. And so uh, when I came to New York, um, I was on a soap opera for, for a couple of years. So as the world turns for a while. And... <gasps> And I know everything. Like, I love that you had three majors, but the job you could get was acting. <laughs> yes, I you know, know. Whereas most of it, if my kids well, that was, was like, part... I want to be an actor, I'd be like, no, you go get yeah, your no. degree. My parents were so upset when I decided to become an actor. I said, like, look, I can't, I'm getting paid for this. That is so cool. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Karen, I was about to say, can you turn a light on? You're sitting in the dark. I know. It's getting darker and darker in here. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. I know, it's so dark in the suburbs there. <laughs> <laughs> Karen is going to reach through this. I know she's going to throttle me. She's going to throttle me. <laughs> so that's always been my interest in, in my career. You know, I like, the, I like the difference. I like the different people. I love my clients. I don't just care for them. They're fascinating, interesting. Most of them, luckily, have been very successful and very blessed. And uh, they're all very open people. So I, I find this a great part of my career. And they've allowed me to go and believed in me that I could go many different places. I can do something in Napa. I can do something in Mexico. I can do something in uh, Sweden and New York. You know, it's, it, this is what my interest is and right. continues to be now. And based on the research, which to me is the interesting part, it's not that you look, oh, this is what a Napa house should look like. You go and you figure out the history of it, the why behind it, talk to the clients. And then you even said in your book, when you were um, designing your own home in the Hamptons, you interviewed yourself and your partner. Yes. What, <laughs> what do we want this to be? You know, which I think is a great takeaway for people to think about, like, when you're really thinking about your home, what do you want it to be? Exactly. How does exactly. it need to function? That's the fun part, too, to ask yourself, you know, how, how could I spoil myself the best way possible? You know, how, <laughs> how could I, uh, where, how, 
what would my sock drawer look like? You know, what would my, you know, how, <laughs> how is the best way to hang belts and scarves? And, and what is it, how can I function best if I'm a cook? Well, what the is the best way to hang scarves and belts? <laughs> I need Actually, to know. Do you want to know? Yeah. Yes. One, one way is um, I've done it. I've arranged it for, um, for clients on dowels, on removable dowels, elongated dowels. And then the scarves can hang one over the other, like display. I, I actually get a lot of inspiration from when I do closets. It, luckily, I live in New York. I mean, where are the best places to go? If you go to Bergdorf's, they know how to display. And they know how to make your, your clothes look like you can't resist them. So mm -hmm. I like my clients' closets to actually, I, I want them to feel like they're in a high-end high department store. Mm. And they get to luckily go and pick any piece of clothing that they could possibly want in their life. So smart. I would that have is. never thought of that of it that way, but it almost like, duh. Well, and you know, retailers are you... having to display things in a small uh, footprint. Mm -hmm. You know, True. they don't all have the luxury of tons of space. So they're trying to be efficient no. and make it beautiful. Exactly. So that's, because that's they have product important. to sell. And yes. at the same time, you learn a lot about um, uh, store design. is very interesting because you learn a lot about lighting and how they light everything and the transparency, mm -hmm. what happens between shelves, what happens, you know, what kind of lighting is the best. So I've, I've learned all of that. I, I love to research that. And that's part of the great thing of living in New York because you have so many, you know, just, uh, you know, the best of the best yes. um, giving you ideas. It's yeah, go ahead. You're cheating is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hearing too. Steal from the best. That's right. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that there was another quote. I honestly, there were so many just direct quotes from, you're just, you're a really beautiful writer. Obviously, you're an English major, so that makes sense. Well, but, I, wrote, um, I actually had a column for, um, for about uh, 15 years for the Southampton, the East Hampton Press. And every week I had what? to write. Yeah. You're wow. a Renaissance man. You do it, it all. says that in the back of his book, ladies. I'm just saying. If <laughs> okay, you'd read it front to back, you'd know. <laughs> that. Or actually, you read it back to front. Exactly. Back to front. <laughs> there we go. Well, so the thing you said that I thought was so interesting was you said you do all this research, and then and you've done all this schooling, and then you throw it all away and trust your creativity. Yes. yes. So explain that to us because. I just think that's fascinating and people, well, you go ahead. <laughs> that aspect comes from, from acting because when you, you need to internalize the design, you need to internalize your client, you need to internalize the space, um, you need to internalize the environment, the architecture, you need to internalize all of it. It just needs to be a part of you. And then your creativity just flows naturally. Then, then, then you don't get caught up. You don't want to get caught up in all that research, but it's just innate. So that when I go out shopping, uh, the fabrics just the fabrics and the, the textures and it all just comes together. When I'm working with the contractors building the home, it just all comes together. Also, a very big part of what why I love this business is the artisans, the contractors, the plumbers, the electricians, the, um, uh, the cabinet makers, the plasterers, the tile layers, all of them, I, I, always, I always include them in the part of the creative process mm -hmm. because they are creative. And they can help you 
solve the the problems you know in the best way possible also in the least expensive way possible too so i mm-hmm. so i'm not autocratic and say i can only do it this way do it this way and like when i go to st louis i don't say i'm a new yorker and this is the way we do it in new york right cuz mm-hmm. you talked about that in the cabo house you designed the fireplace mantle you gave them sort of the drawing or whatever and they came back with something else you were like mm, it's not exactly what yes. I drew, but it's great. I did. I spent hours on this Italian Renaissance research, <laughs> and then did this beautiful Italian Renaissance uh, fireplace. And then they said, "Oh, sure, we can carve it. We can carve it." And um, sent it off to them. And there was it was carved in Guadalajara. And uh, the day that they brought it in, <laughs> the stones, I said, "Wow." It was, it was, it would look like a Mayan temple, but it looked like the Italian version of a Mayan temple. <laughs> well, because for some reason, the place that your, your, your family you were designing for built their home, that, or that community wanted it to look Italian. Right. But it was very, it, but it, it was, looks also it looks, so perfect it looks, for Mexico. It looks perfect. It looks yes, perfect. It does. So you have to trust your artisans. And trust the trust their point of point of view and trust their advice, even if they don't understand you. <laughs> when you go well, to a new place, though, how do you find artisans that you? I interview with? the contractors. I, I always interview all of the contractors with my clients. Uh, the arch- if I love working with architects. I mean, it happens in a couple of like uh, in Cabo. I actually was uh, I. I brought in a friend of mine who was an architect, and he and I worked on it because I have a lot of architectural background. Because there wasn't anybody who got what I was doing, but usually I work with the architect. Gives me many sources. Um, when I go Salt Lake City, I mean, I learned about Salt Lake City has the most incredible iron workers in the country. St. Louis has the the best terrazzo people in the world. I mean, you just it's astonishing hmm. what I've learned. And New well, the, York, the, the finishes in New York, the finishes and the finesse of cabinetry and paint is unbelievable in New York. So are you shipping and the artisans Swedes, around and the, the country? Swedes. I do. I Certain ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I I bring my curtain workroom, who are virtually tailors, and they always make me look incredible. And they understand tailoring is very hard. They understand the use of fabrics, uh, the drape of drapery is very important to me, mm-hmm. the hang of it, um, and the installation of it. There's a great skill in that. So I have a wonderful curtain workroom. My decorative artist, uh, Judy Mulligan, has made me always look good. In almost every project, you'll see um, beautiful uh, decorative work, but subtle. And uh, um, every project has it. And she understands that I've been working, you know, we've been dancing this dance for almost 30 years together. Uh, she's my partner. Mm-hmm. And then I also, um, and I bring my upholstery, the upholstery workrooms in New York are stupendous because there's just the history here of the great Italian and the great English upholsterers here and the great French upholsterers um, mm-hmm. who have taught me so much in my career and why I've, my, why my, I'm not, putting a plug for it, but why my line in for Farrell Mittman became so successful uh, since 1997. It was their top selling line. Uh, it was because of proportion, because these 
great Italian upholsterers, these great English and French upholsterers taught me proportion. And they taught me the feel of it and how it was constructed and uh, every nuance of it. Mm-hmm. So I decided I've, I've always loved designing furniture as well, as we were talking about earlier, product design. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that I loved about um, that quote about, you know, doing all of the research and learning and then throwing it all away and trusting your creativity. And I think obviously for someone like you, you, this is your life's work and you're so incredibly talented at it. At it. And I imagine that if you are working with a new client, you're just going to inherently trust your gut, right? Because you have been, you do, you practice this so much. But for those of us who maybe are decorating for ourselves and we, um, you know, maybe don't have as much experience or confidence, but we want to do it ourselves, um, it is a little bit harder to trust your gut because you have all of these, you know, questions and you just don't feel as confident. But, um, you know, you are working on your own home. And I think trusting whatever creativity you may have and not always second guessing yourself is probably um, a good way to kind of keep things going in the right direction and um, staying true to your vision and, and not letting, I guess, doubts. What if you have bad taste, Caroline? You. What if you have bad taste? Yeah, just straight up bad. your creative but vision if, down I don't, a really bad I don't, road. I don't believe in bad taste. You, you don't? don't? No. I don't. I don't believe what that about, people have bad taste. I feel. I think that they're that they just <laughs> haven't been taught, or haven't learned, or haven't seen, or haven't right. researched. Haven't there are so many places. Yeah, that hasn't exactly. They haven't mm-hmm. been exposed. So, I mean, I was very lucky. I came from also a southern background. So my mother was southern. Her mother was southern, and we know that that you know people in the north they love design. They believe in it you know but in the south it's in your blood <laughs> it's in your blood i think it's part of the hospitality down here it's like part I of your whole i think it is part of that yeah welcome exactly yeah it always has to be show worthy your home people so are going to come over when you're doing your own home you do the same thing i do just research and look mm-hmm. you you know you open open the pages of your magazine you you have styled it beautifully you have shown how to use your product beautifully in rooms mm-hmm. so you get inspiration from that you there are so many great magazines to to look at you know um, veranda architectural digest house beautiful and so there's something for everyone and then you can look and see these different and read up on it but actually mm-hmm. before you make the expensive mistakes yeah. yeah. Well, and your book and many design books. And, you know, the, you... and they're tremendous design books. Yeah. You know, Get in I there mean, and I, study them. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because in my book, I try to teach people how to do these things. And, and, and I, in the writing of it, I was very clear about what, what the inspiration was, what the clients were, what the issues were, and how I solved it. And then you see the pictures afterwards of how I chose to solve it. And you can observe the rooms. Things that are very important to me, light is very important. If I don't have light, I do everything to draw the light in. Uh, everything from, just for an example, I, I, in New York, all of our windows are on one side of the apartment. So how do you draw light in? Well, so I paint the ceilings in high gloss. I use glossy floors, the glossy moldings. It pulls and refracts the light into mm-hmm. the apartment. I believe in balance. And balance doesn't mean symmetry, you know? 
So when you're looking at my work in the book, you'll see that things, there, there is a lot of symmetry, but you'll see that a room will have balance to it. Uh, there will be repetition of things. There will be, there may be a heavy object over there, but it might be balanced by a, by a smaller piece over there that has um, great presence. Mm -hmm. um, and always proportion, 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 proportion. One designer taught me once, he said, if you get all the proportion right, you can have the ugliest fabrics, you can have the ugliest paint colors, you can have everything wrong, <laughs> but if the proportion's right, it'll look good. It'll feel good, yeah. So have you tried that? <laughs> <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> have you tried no, that? I was just wondering. No. <laughs> no, but I have, I don't know. I don't know if you saw recently, I was on Real, Real Housewives of New York because one of my... Um, one of my clients is Dorinda from uh, Real Housewives of New York. She behaves no. extremely badly, but she's—I mean, on, on that—that's what she's paid to do. But she's right, a right. wonderful, very smart woman. She's really great. And if you saw—and Dorinda has outrageous taste, outrageous taste—and we're talking about taste, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's my job as a designer to figure out what her taste is and to realize it with all the design principles, you know, light, balance, proportion, comfort, harmony, ease, inspiration, you know, all of those various things that I will use. Mm -hmm. That's my job. If someone has bad taste, don't you think they're going to be most comfortable in some place that reflects their taste? I mean, it's kind of what we always say about design is that well that's true your home should reflect you that's true and i'm not and, saying you I shouldn't mean, who use am i to say that someone's taste is bad it's just not my taste which is good no i'm just kidding <laughs> but you can help people to to take that taste whatever it, whatever mm -hmm. it is their preferences and you can you can weave it into something uh that makes that makes sense that right. has that mm -hmm. has proportion balance ease light um, right. and inspiration. Right. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's what we try to do, the three of us, every day. You know, every we're, day. We're trying to give her, you know, good product that's in good proportion that, you know, we think could fit into her home piece by piece mm -hmm. or, you know, right. make it a little bit of an or, update. Or, or his home. Or that's his right. home. Yes. <laughs> that, excuse me. True. That was rude. <laughs> so you have been in your home in New York for how long now? Uh, I've been about, uh, well, this, this apartment, we've been here since um, 1992. And then I have an office actually right across the hall, which I, I bought an apartment across the Very hall. Very nice. That's my you office. You have a great commute. I know. No snow days. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Get to work. Yeah. When, I, when I'm late, they all say, oh, Oh, what's your excuse oh, today? I tripped on the carpet in the hall. <laughs> so you mentioned before we started recording that you're getting ready to redo your apartment. I am. I How am. often should we be redoing our spaces? Every seven years. That's a lot. Top to oh. bottom or? But I feel up. that. Yeah, like. I feel well. it too. Um, well, you shed your skin every seven years, right? <gasps> oh, and your, your taste buds is. regenerate. And go. change. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! Then I think that's, that's the key right there. <laughs> go with your taste buds. However, I have. I mean, this happens to be. I am going to completely. Uh, this I this particular apartment. I I decorated it in the beginning, and I did not. Uh, I didn't deal with the actual challenges uh, like the bathroom and the, the kitchen because at the time didn't have the funds. But now I. Uh, we're going to live here for a long time. It, as you can see in the background, we had, it, it's 
I, we got the apartment because the ceilings are, are almost 11 feet tall. The windows, as you can see, they're French windows in the background, and we exposures on three sides, so which is very rare in New York. Um, so there's tremendous light in the apartment. Things you can't buy in an apartment building, you, you always have to look, when you buy an apartment, you have to look for um, the height of the ceilings, because you can't change that. Right. And mm -hmm. you want to look for the windows and the exposures. That's the mm -hmm. main thing you want to look for. The rest you can fix. The rest you can fix. You can gut the whole thing if you mm -hmm. want to. So what are you going to do differently? Besides fixing your bathroom and kitchen, like the, the style of what's in there. I'm actually, it's funny because we've done so much modern work in the last two or three years. Um, and this is a really beautiful classic building. It was built in 1912, the year that the Titanic sank. And it was built by uh, the Astor family. John Jacob Astor, as you know, went down in the Titanic. Uh, but his son, Vincent Astor, kept the real estate company, obviously. They did very well and built this building. It was actually built for the ladies of the night because at that time, the, uh, the, gentleman, from, and the gentleman from the east Coast, from the east side would come over to the west side. They would gather their, um, their uh, mistresses and they would take them down to the Metropolitan Opera which was the form of entertainment. Really? And they built and they built some really beautiful buildings for their mistresses. And this was what this was not one of the best buildings, but it was one of the nice buildings. So it was wow. an interesting so it so has really great bones uh, mm -hmm. and it has great windows as you can see. And, and good stories. And yeah. yeah, really good stories, yeah. So you're going to go a little more modern? No. I'm not no, actually. Not. I'm going to. I'm going to restore. Um, actually, I'm buying these really beautiful doors, as I said, from Atlanta, from um, Architectural Accents, that are from the south of France, from a from a great uh, from a really great chateau that's down there. Um, I'm restoring the floors. I, I am. The, the floors are actually in really bad shape. This was a rental building. The West Side. Remember West Side Story. Well, now we live on the west side. It isn't, it's a, a nice area now, but west side was really uh, a, a terrible area. So it was, a, it was a rental and it was treated badly. So I'm doing these, because I've been in Sweden, I'm doing these uh, white Swedish pine floors mm -hmm. in juxtaposition with the 18th century qualities of the rooms. I'm using the modern pieces from my own furniture line, modern a uh, couple of pieces. The Mario Boada sale, I bought two of his etagères because I was friends with him and liked him so much. And so I'm using those. It's a very, it's a simple, uh, simple apartment, but um, it won't, <laughs> it won't be so simple when I'm done. <laughs> How long will we it take? We can't wait to see it. Yeah. yeah. How long it's will gonna it take? Ta it's going to take about a year and a half to do it because uh, the, uh, uh, because of all the filing in New York is very difficult. And also the building is, uh, it's, it's, uh, the pipes are from 1912. You know, mm -hmm. think of the Titanic. It's yeah. 1912. Mm -hmm. So all of that. But I'm, but uh, it's, you know, I have, I have things that I've dreamed of using for so many years. There's great plumbing fixtures. There's great, I mean, another thing we have in New York, we have so many different hardware suppliers that the, where the chasing and the hardware is so exquisite. And I have, I only have like five doors. So, hey, I can <laughs> right. go all out, right? <laughs> right? So I'm very lucky that way. Yeah. 
Okay, well, you mentioned Sweden, and I that was my favorite um, space in the whole book. And I was oh, so you. fascinated. Well, first, you, you have to start with the backstory because Good it's very story. personal. But yeah. I have so many logistical questions for you about the project. <laughs> so we'll get to those once you kind of introduce it, maybe. Yeah. I, um, Sweden was, is uh, deeply in my soul. Um, I came from Kansas City originally. Um, uh, I uh, my parents were not great wealthy parents, but they had three really rambunctious boys, and we had uh, they they hired there was a there was a Swedish a community in Kansas City called Savenberg, and uh, many of the Swedes would be au pairs and that sort of thing. So mom and dad hired um, an au pair to take care of me, and her name was Lily, and she became uh, virtually. Uh, a mother to me and stayed with our family for 40 years and uh, wow. just was so much a part of my life and so much part of my influence. I was also an AFS student, so I, great organization, American Field Service, started in World War I. And uh, I, so I lived over in Denmark uh, for a year and a half and then went back to Scandinavia just constantly. It's kind of like it's in my blood. Um, and I visited Lily all the time. So she passed away. And um, it, coming back to Sweden, and then my clients came to me. They're actually from, she's, the, the wife is from Sweden, and the husband is from uh, St. Louis. And they decided that they wanted their children to experience their cousins, their, their grandparents, and their Swedish heritage. And that was their, and they said, Marshall, would you be interested? And I said, yes, of course I'd be interested. But they never knew. They never knew the true story behind it because I, I put my heart and soul in that because this was my, um, this was my tribute to Lily uh, after she had passed and my trying to discover her soul because in many ways she was an enigma to me all my life and I had never really understood her. And by working in Sweden and working with the workers and working through with my Swedish client and all of this, I, I finally, the greatest part of that was uh, understanding understanding her her whole persona and her soul and actually how much she loved me. Wow. I mean, it was a gorgeous project and you can really see how lovingly I think it was put together. Um, I thought one thing that was so incredible and was that you wanted, because you wanted, they wanted this authentic Swedish experience, um, you went and shopped all over Sweden for antiques to fill the house with. So the thing that kind of blew my mind is how, like, did you have a layout that you knew you're shopping for particular pieces? Are you just kind of going and looking for what's incredible? Like, how do you, I guess, furnish a house with all antiques and you have a limited amount of time and you're like traveling all over. I mean, it just, the, I well, just felt like it must have taken an incredible amount of organization. He went to Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ikea in the beginning was so different. And right. Swedish Ikea was really, they, they did these absolutely beautiful 18th century pieces in the very beginning. So it's very interesting what it's become. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but um, I, uh, first of all, any designer who works, and it, beginning any project, you do a floor plan. Uh, 
So whether I'm working in Cabo San Lucas, Hawaii, New York, Sweden, London, Spain, all the places I've worked, I always start with a floor plan. Um, that gives both my client an idea of, of what's going to exist, how it's going to lay out, but also what the pricing is going to be as well. Mm -hmm. So um, I did know that Swedish antiques were far cheaper in Sweden. Um, so, and also I had a feeling I was going to get them, I was going to have a more authentic experience. So I started out, as I do in many projects, when I'm in a foreign place or even when I'm in the Midwest or other places, um, I will start uh, in, in Sweden. I went to their, um, their local antiques fair. In Stockholm, they have, a, they have a huge fair every January. So I looked it up. I went to that. And I shopped the entire fair. I bought all of these pieces. But what I did do was I got every single dealer's address, phone number, contact, and I spoke with all of them. I was telling them what I was looking for. And they, because it's a small country, everybody knows everybody. It's only 8 million people. This is, New York is 8 million people, you know. <laughs> so um, I, um, I, they all guided me to various people, various suppliers, various upholsterers and finishers and all, of, all sorts of things. And so I had this unbelievable experience um, and, and went to, you know, and I traveled um, I'm just, I'm an inveterate traveler, so I don't care. I mean, I, I get on the train, I get on the buses, I get on the subways, I go anywhere. And I ended up in, you know, these, these far remote chateaus in the south of Sweden where it was just, there was no heating and they would just pull back these, these, uh, these canvases and you would see this incredible stockpile of 18th century furniture. And they knew how to restore it. And they knew, they knew what it would, they, they were very sensitive to their antiques and their heritage. So they, they taught me, and they would teach me. As, as, uh, but many times, because I spoke uh, Danish, so I could get, you know, I could do my pidgin Danish, and, and I would understand the, their Swedish if they didn't speak English. But mostly they speak beautiful English. One of the... Uh, one it was of the very things. romantic. Yeah, it's it an incredible so story. Romantic. Yeah. yeah, well, the dining room chairs, you said you found them in the eaves of an oh, antique God. mirror factory or something like that. There were 14 chairs up in the eaves. That yeah, I had. I had to crawl up. I had to crawl up over. And the guy said, no, it's going to be dangerous. And I said, no, no, don't worry. I, I, I can do it. I mean, I'm very agile. So I climbed <laughs> all the way up to the top. I almost killed myself. But, <laughs> uh, but I found them. And then I said, okay, you have, this is nine chairs. I need... I need 14. Let's find seven more. So he went to his friends, various parts of the country, and he was able to find these pieces. No way. That is nuts. Yeah. So oh my gosh. that was incredible. But when I was in Mexico, I had the same, the opposite. By the way, I was doing Sweden and Mexico at the same time. Oh my gosh. Talk, talk about two entirely different experiences. I was going to ask if you get confused because of oh, all this no. research and you said you kind of put it all in and then you go with your gut. But I mean, mm no, I don't get confused because they're so different. I mean, what was what was so funny was that I would go from Mexico where they would never read plans. Never read plans. We're talking we're talking about they um and they would talk, you know, I had the, the all the plumbing laid out, you know, beautifully exactly where the plumbing fixtures were. I would come down there. It would be a, a wall 
the most beautiful plaster you've ever seen. You know, do you know what Venetian plaster is? Mm-hmm. You know what Venetian plaster is? It's the yes. smoothest thing in the world. Yeah, but it has the a Mexicans, sheen. Yeah, it has a sheen. The Mexicans, that's how they plaster their walls. It's that refined. They're that good at it. So I came down there and the bathroom, I looked at the bathroom wall and it had this most exquisite finish on it. It was unbelievable. And I said, there's no plumbing. <laughs> there's no plumbing. They said, oh, well, we just were waiting for you to come down and draw it on the wall. And I, I said, on this wait a second. Wall? It's completely finished. It's completely finished. So the, so the next thing, I, I know, I, I drew it on this beautiful plaster, and then they come and, you know, and they drilled out the entire wall, and they put the plumbing in, and then they sealed it all up again, and they did this magnificent plaster finish, and it was done. Wow. That's People hilarious. work differently now. The Swedes, everything had to be, you know, boom, 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 boom. You know, yeah, let's, let's, you know, we want it in drawings. We want it done this way. We want, you know, exacting. And the, and the Mexicans would always say, I would say, well, can you do, can, uh, you know, can, can you do this? And they would always say, oh, si, senor, si, senor. And, and of course, even if they couldn't do it, they told you they could do it. Mm-hmm. You get to Sweden and you say, Oh, I love this tile. But do you have something in a shade of blue? Nay. <laughs> no. Take it as it is, dude. You mean you only have white tile? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, white tile. That's it. And there was it was like these these totally opposite like sweets. Nope, can't do it. And and it was not like I could charm them. I mean, you know, I'm used to like, oh, come on, you must have it in the back somewhere, you know. And, uh, but no, Mm-mm. no, 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 no meant no, and that was it. Bam. How do you describe though that Swedish sensibility? Because you talk a little bit about it in the book about, oh, I did a little more pattern on my fabric, which Swedes would never ever do, but I did True. it this time. But you know what? How would you describe a Swedish aesthetic? Um, informed by the practical, always informed by the practical. Um, they were never a wealthy country. Um, they, um, they kept things. Uh, they kept things. Uh, here's an interesting story about Sweden. I don't, when you look through the book, did you see the barn, Swedish barn? Yes. Um, so it is a beautiful barn, but it wasn't actually, it was actually a more modern structure. It was, it was built in uh, the 70s, actually. It was built to look like an old place, but it was a horse barn. So um, in the barn, uh, my client, it was all sheetrock on the inside. My client said, I really want it to feel like an old barn. I want old wood. I want it to look like, you know, horses have been here forever. I said, okay, let's go get some old Swedish wood. And I said, okay, you know, let's find Swedish wood. And so I tried, I did, went through all my sources and tried to find Swedish wood. Internet and everybody asked, everybody, everybody, no, no Swedish wood. Why? Because the Swedes don't tear down their vernacular buildings. Mm. They don't tear anything down. They reuse, they reimagine what the buildings are to look like. To so, so that United their States. Aesthetic. Yeah, yeah blows our mind, that right? is exactly. just like, what? I live in New York. They tear, it, 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 it's hard as a person who believes in restoring things, who mm-hmm. I believe in recycling. Yes. You know, I mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, we, we shouldn't be tearing down building after building and 
building. Yeah, just to build another one. Just to build another one. Just to and have then tear a, it down and build it in twenty years again. There right. you go. There you go. Do because it right the first time. Right, and Atlanta's and the, the Swedes do, do that. So yeah, um, you had to import all of that wood from the U.S. Yes, exactly. To make that exactly. barn look like an old barn. I, I loved did. that story. I because, mean, it was crazy, but it was good. But the crazy story is, is that the barn, that the two barns that that barn was made out of were carved, were, 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 were built from barns in Wisconsin that were actually built by Norwegian farmers who had wow. immigrated, <laughs> emigrated to the United States. Wow. So it's kind of, you know, it kind of all comes around. Full circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. it's interesting. Crazy. This was just such a small detail in the Swedish house, but I did love it, and I didn't know this. Um, I guess this the Swedes um, display their dinnerware, or they have a rack on their wall yes. where they store yes. all of their dinnerware. I thought that was yes. so interesting. I mean, it's a detail you've seen, you know, at an antique store or in magazines, but maybe explain that a little bit because I thought it was really interesting and it comes from uh, practical. It's it's very practical. But it also comes from the farming. There were, there were uh, an agrarian culture. And so they were poor. So uh, in fact, when I was living in the 70s, when I was living in Denmark, my friend had a paper route. And we used to go around to various thatched roof houses, which I thought were really charming. But he said, well, yeah, but this is where the really you know, these are really poor farmers. These are not wealthy farmers. And he would deliver the, he would deliver the, the papers to the people and he would go in and talk to them for a minute and then he would go out. And he said, you've got to come into this one place because they're very, very poor, but they're wonderful people. And we came in and there was one of these racks. So it was a rack on the wall and there were plates that were, you know, it looked beautiful to me like you saw. There were plates on the wall and uh, on, on this rack there were about six or seven plates. And then there were spoons. There were slots for spoons on each on, uh, in there. And also there was forks and knives or slots for forks and knives. But it wasn't very plates? many. Right, right below the plates. Okay. Frequently, if you see a Swedish piece, you will see these slots. And that was for, for your flatware. This was for your flatware. Okay. But the reason is, is that you, you got up, you got your, flat, your own flatware, your own plate. And that was all you had. And then you went, you got your meal. Usually a meal was, would be some form of stew. So that's why they primarily had spoons. They didn't really have a lot of knives. They didn't have forks. So it was generally for spoons. And they would eat that. And then they would wash their own. And then they would put it back up. So it was, it was very practical. We think it's beautiful, right? It's just the way to display things. Right. Mm-hmm. Simplicity. Wow. Born of necessity. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. Their floors, the, the interesting thing about Swedish floors, and one reason I want to have them here is because they are, um, you, you, the people try to imitate them, this, you know, ceruzing. They want a ceruzed oak floors or they want bleached floors. They want the bleached pine floors. Well, the Swedes are, they are very clean. So they, they use, it's years of using lye soap on their floors oh. that would just bleach them and bleach them over and over so that what sun they had. And also the Swedish sensibility when we were talking about it earlier, the Swedish sensibility is it's very dark in the winter. Mm-hmm. It's very depressing. So mm-hmm. when you see those sheer curtains, the, uh, if you think of a shear that pulls down, 
What does it do? It catches the light. So what little light they have, it's caught by sheer curtains. Uh, everything's geared towards bringing light into their houses. Like, and so this was another, you know, another experience in my life that just taught me how to, and I brought it back to New York, teaching me how to, to bring light into my clients' homes. Mm -hmm. So smart. I have a house I want to talk about. Okay, please. Is it yours? <laughs> no. I mean, I definitely need help, but let's just we'll, we'll lower the camera. Don't look. Okay, so look, um, all of your houses look good. The backgrounds that I'm seeing look great. So compliments well, and you. kudos to you all. You're thank kind. you. Thank you. So okay, uh, it was near the end of the book, um, and I'm just gonna loosely recall my vibe of the house. So it was a client of yours who had moved to Florida, I believe. She had a house in the Hamptons that you had done before, and mm -hmm. she bought sort of a very large, and I don't want to diminish it, but um, sort of architecturally not spectacular home, but big. Right. And it had, um, you know, very large rooms and not particularly wonderful finishes and, and um, whatnot in the house. And and said to you, hey, make this awesome and use all of my furniture that you put into my project 10 years ago, bring it down here and make it great. And you did. I mean, you made that feel really not cookie cutter. I don't know. I don't want to say special because special doesn't seem like the right word, but um, so many, I feel like so many homes, um, I think a lot of people get have these homes that were built, whether they were built, you know, big houses that were built in the eighties or big houses, you know, they're just big, but they're not special. And you made it great. How did you do that? Give me the 20 step rundown. <laughs> <laughs> house beautiful called that house, uh, the, the 70 shades of gray, right? Right after the uh, book came out. Um, paint. Interestingly enough, uh, it was delineating because it was acres of sheetrock, as as you as you know, it was acres of sheetrock. So we chose to what I chose to do there was I chose to paint the walls rather dramatic colors, the molding a different color, which generally in the house it was white, or uh, one of my favorites, Chantilly lace, and then the doors. Uh, which were which were featured quite often were um, a rich rich dark charcoal, so the walls uh, there were shades of uh, grays and marine blues, dark uh, Prussian blues, and whites, uh, and uh, so featured throughout the house. We took the floors back down to a natural finish. I'm big on the actual wood appearing as it appears not making it something it is not. Um, so that we took the floors down. So we, that was correct in the architecture. And then it was placing the furniture in, uh, we, used, we did use curtains, you know, because the curtains helped the architecture and helped warm up uh, the structure. I use, I use curtains architecturally a lot. Um, and then the placement of the furniture was the scale of the furniture. Because you can't have a house that large and use 
small furniture. So the furniture was properly scaled to the house. And always, uh, I always want to draw the eye up. So um, luckily, she had some tall armoires. So the rooms that were really tall, they were they were all 12 foot ceilings. Florida has this thing. It's so odd. They have they they want to have 12 foot ceilings, you know, all the time. And they're a little bit too large if you're going to have a second floor, but they don't care. They're, you know, they're in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and they're never going to climb upstairs anyway. But the poor <laughs> kids have to climb up to, you know, up to 12 feet, you know. So, um, so we did it. We did it that way. It was literally with a lot with paint, um, adding some, uh, adding coffers and moldings onto the ceilings uh, that helped. I have some tricks with uh, doing it reasonably where I, I actually do flat coffers on ceilings and part of that project had those. Um, so I added to the architecture, to the, um, to the expanse of uh, acres of sheetrock. That's dark, how I think I did it. The dark doors I thought were so striking and made such a big difference in the space. Mm. I really thought that was brilliant. It's a trick in New York to use, you know, because we have a lot of doors. Doors feature prominently in these small spaces. So by emphasizing the doors, in fact, I think that I'm going to give advice on somebody, um, on, uh, Ooh, on Brenda. Brenda. Brenda has <laughs> uh, some, and I'm going to talk about the doors there too. But in case, um, that was a lot of what I did. Texture, rich texture in, in the carpets helps as well because you're bringing texture into these vast sheetrock mausoleums. Mm -hmm. Mausoleums. <laughs> so I, this is the first time anyone, I think, has said on the podcast that they really embrace the natural color of the wood floor. So you are, you're not staining them, or you really like to go with what it is. I'm, I'm trying more and more now to use, um, in my book, you'll notice uh, a couple of places where I've used... Uh, um, natural woods just the way they are. Poplar, for example. Um, if you look at the project in uh, the Bahamas, the walls in the living room are all poplar. They're raw. They're raw poplar. Now, when you see poplar, when you bring it right off the truck, it's purple and green and cream. But, it turn, but, it, uh, but within 10 days, it turns brown. Wow. Um, Oak floors, I mean, I'm, I've experimented and it's been very successful. We just put the oak floors down, we sanded them, and we left them. And we're, and we're experimenting just with just plain raw floors. I know, you know, um, and no. if they stain, they stain, you right. know. And, if, and you, can use, you can use various, you know, you can use various waxes and things if you want to, or you just, I just like them raw. All right, I'm going to read what Brenda wrote in, and then you're going to answer with an amazing answer for her. Because she's so charming. She's she very charming. She is. And she has great photos. Okay, she writes, Hello all, thank you so much for being a good distraction during these trying times. I've listened to all your episodes and always look forward to Tuesday with the girls. And boys. She didn't write that, but we know it's true. <laughs> thank I you very much. I, I appreciate the acknowledgement. <laughs> I love our home, but do have a few areas I need suggestions to complete. I had these two side tables made by a local Amish guild 
Finnish carpenter. Inspired by Furlo Gatewood's book, One Man's Folly. I love them. What are your thoughts on lighting art artwork? Ceiling height is 11 foot. When we were back to entertaining, they will be used as our bar next to our foyer. Our whole house is very special with all things we love. Our entry is missing the same vibe. There are many doors in this space. Last is our season or all season room. What are your thoughts on adding drapes and window treatments? Thank you so much for your opinion and suggestions. Kind regards, Brenda. This is it's like, I love that she loves color and pattern. And she seems like one who is very confident in her style. Doesn't she do you guys? Mm-hmm. Yes. She's got a little plate rack too built into her. Uh, it's one of those slots. Oh yeah. Where it's like a vertical storage. Yeah. Like built into her um, kitchen cabinets. I think I see um, that. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. So are, so are your thoughts on lighting and artwork? Is it lighting artwork lighting, or comma, lighting and art and artwork? Yeah. Well, we no. could interpret it both ways. Okay. <laughs> I like lighting artwork. <laughs> I really thought that's what it said. Sorry. There's lighting and artwork. There is. Well, I, I, I the two tables, the elevation. I I I believe in pulling spaces together rather than I'm not an eclecticist by the way I think uh, I think eclectic is great if you're a professional uh, and if you can carry it off but uh, I I like unifying spaces so in this case I do like these tables very much Brenda I think they're they're very pretty and and um, they they come from they're adapted from a good source I actually like the wallpaper in back of them as well which uh, has this viney substance. I think that it would be nice to have uh, probably a stack of two photos on top of it, uh, probably uh, in the same frame, the, the same uh, wood, the paint, uh, you know, paint the frames the same color as the, uh, the, the consoles themselves, because I w think that you need to unify it because they kind of, they, they, they sit out there. Uh, they sit out there quite alone. Yeah, they're sort uh, of outliers there in the space. Yeah, mm -hmm. but they but they look good against the wall. But I think that you need something. And um, I would put two framed pictures. I would uh, I would use something that might be a, a, a print or something with a large mat. So I would do a. You can, by the way, in Pottery Barn. I'm sure. By the way, you all probably have. Uh, marvelous uh, white frames that you people can do. slip things in. I know you do. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, I would do that. You, I realize that you want to use this as a bar area. Hmm. I think it's too small for that because I'm a big drinker. So that would be too small. <laughs> and I think they're you have an opportunity. They're deep demi-loons. Yeah, they're not they're, super deep. They're not super deep. I think one vodka bottle would fill that up. I know, especially my vodka <laughs> bottle. But I think that per perhaps a pair of lamps would be nice in front of those bringing light there. I see that above, the, the reason I suggest uh, pictures above it and a pair of pictures above each is that uh, there's a clerestory window up, up above. Um, and so these white, these white frames would salute that clerestory window and the clerestory window kind of will stop the frame. So I don't want to put mirrors above it. Uh, sometimes you could put mirrors and then uh, uh, lamps in front of the mirrors always double the light. I notice that you have a chandelier there. It kind of comes out from left field. The chandelier is hanging over the table. 
I keep. Uh, I like these white pieces. I like that you have. I think that the bar stools are white. Am I seeing white bar stools, you all? Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, correct. I might take the uh, the body of the chandelier and paint that white as well. I know. I just want to unify it. So it's a wooden she- chandelier with sort of iron arms coming off of it. Right. Um, oh, so you're saying take the wooden part and paint that white. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Should, should do you think that would be ideal, or should she just replace it? Um, it depends on her budget, and she mm-hmm. the, she said that these things mean a lot to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they mean a lot to her, this will at least help unify it in into that area. Mm-hmm. I um, like it. It's that repetition you spoke to. Yeah. As once well. again, it's repetition, and then also the base of the table. Keep the top wood. But the base of the table could be painted this light color as well, so that you're bringing these colors together. You see, you have a frame piece of artwork in in a white frame over there on the left. In one case, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. So that's kind of what I think. What do you all think about that area? Well, I love that she has these. Um, she has sort of an open floor plan, you guys. So it's a sort of a mm-hmm. a living room adjacent to a dining room that's open to the kitchen. Um, and this one accent wall, the dining room that she's talking about has like, as you said, this really very interesting, beautiful, bold wallpaper. That's a white background, a white field with blue, sort of a blue sculptural floral on it. And then the same sort of dark blue covers the walls. And the kind of the inverse of that pattern is the drapery in the room. So all of that really echoes nicely together. Um, as far as, as I um, can see, but I, I totally get what you're saying when you say that th- these two demi loons, she's got these two small white demi loons that are flanking sort of a raw wood uh, china cabinet. It's a hutch. tall hutch, yeah, thing. And so making those all work together on that wall with the wallpaper, I agree. It needs it needs something to kind of bring it together as a group and tie it to the rest of the room. And I think making the base of that table white does it. It brings the white from that wall to the bottom of the table to the white upholstery that's further in the room and even into the kitchen with the white bar stools. I think that's And then the chandelier would help it too. And you could even use, the chandelier is a little small for the space. So if you wanted to, you could use a white uh, white paper candle shades on on that too. To actually, and it'll actually make it a little more contemporary in feel. So the next space that I think we should address is the entry hall. Yes, mm-hmm. she wants to make that more special. Let's. Will you describe it a little? Um, it it's a space that's. Uh, um, it has many doors to it. I mean, it has more doors than you can possibly imagine. Um, <laughs> it has uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Almost, I, I, there might be a seventh door there too, um, and uh, the walls have a color. You know, I don't have this in color. I don't. What are the color of the walls? Sort of a light, like citron, citron, chartreusey, light sar. Yeah, I, I don't mind that, but I think that the doors. Um, I think the doors. Uh, this is. I'm going to talk about this again, but I think the doors should be painted dark. Mm-hmm. I think they should mm-hmm. be. You should. You know, uh, if. If you can't beat them, join them. Uh, you got mm-hmm. a lot of doors. Uh, yeah. You might as well paint them yeah. all the same color and celebrate that color. Now, that color could either relate to this floor, which is rather dark, 
to me, a little foreboding for this house. Mm -hmm. It's very, um, it's really dark. I, I understand the practicality. This must, this is your front door. And so I don't know whether this is in an area that has snow or that sort of thing. And I know that you're trying to keep it practical, but I, the floor is not the most attractive. I do like the wood floors that are in the background. Mm -hmm. I would love you to use an indoor outdoor carpet. And I would like to see that carpet actually celebrate the shape, this odd shape of this foyer. And I would keep that carpet four inches from the wall. I would paint the, the doors a dark color that either salutes the walls in the living room or salutes a color in the stone itself. And try to keep as light a carpet as possible in this area that is practical but that's why I call it an indoor-outdoor carpet. I think you all have indoor-outdoor carpets. I'm sure you have mm -hmm. that. But this, of course, is a shape. And then I would bind it in a leather vinyl around the edge mm -hmm. in a con another contrast color so that actually you're pointing out the shape of the room. Are you saying she should have it cut to the shape and keep four inches all the way around? Yes, exactly. Sorry okay. yeah. I, if I wasn't clear. No, I want to just make sure. And then bind it around too. And but keep a, your white moldings. Keep the white moldings. Keep the white molding. Do you think her door should be that same blue? She has a very sort of deep, rich blue of the walls on the walls and the other parts of the home. Do you think it should be that or a gray or something? I would experiment with both of those colors. Okay. Um, I think that the it's a little more chic to have it be. Uh, I hate to do this, but a blue gray some kind of color that you can't tell or some kind of color that you pull from the floor, which isn't, doesn't jump out, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but relates to the floor, uh, maybe even more than the living room beyond. And I think that you might want to enjoy some kind of crown on the ceiling, some kind of, and I'm not talking about necessarily a, you know, a, a um, a, you know, curved uh, triangular crown, maybe something that's almost flat on the ceiling mm. and that gives that a little bit of architectural um, unity in that space. Yeah, I really liked how in her TV room, um, she has the same, well, it's a darker version of the wall color on all of the trim. Yes. Um, I think it looks really elegant. Very chic. Um, she has sort of an olive green, oh, on yeah, her glossy olive green on the trim, and then this sort of lighter celadon or something on the yeah. wall, and it, it does look very chic in there. So, I don't know. Like clearly, she is willing to go for it by painting the molding in the walls and having it be different. Um, you know, not white and color. Um, so I feel like she should just kind of embrace that detail that she has in the room and sort of spread it around a little bit, like you said, with the in the entryway. Here is the one thing that I I loved all of your ideas um, for this breakfast room. I wonder. I don't think it looks. There's nothing wrong with it, but I do feel like if she were to paint that very bright sunroom off the breakfast room, the same color as the dark like the dark blue um i feel like it it that light green in there really breaks it up and it makes it feel a little choppy what do y'all think about that you see what i'm saying like if you're looking at um those first 
like the third picture. Yep. You can kind of see in the That's background. my sense of color. Ah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. Sorry. Mm, I don't think you can share. But yeah, you're black and white. Yeah, that's not helping you. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I but you're describing the colors so well. No, actually, I did see that. I did see this before, but I wanted to make my notes on these things. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I agree. You don't, you're, I don't okay, agree. all right. But I'm not, you know. You're the expert. I, really? Gosh, you, you got to tell my clients that. Mm-hmm. I think they trust Listen you. To everything he says, yeah. <laughs> they do. Clearly. I just um, feel like based on how much she has of this color, that it is a happy color for her. She loves That's it. That's why I'm like, mm-hmm. I can totally see what you mean. I do think it would make it a little more cohesive, but I bet it's a love thing. I, I also like, think she's well, going to think that's my I... sunroom and it's going to be dark now if I paint it navy blue. But she has so much light. It's a really bright room. Yeah. Anyways, I, like I said, I don't I don't think it necessarily looks bad. I just it's it does I feel like really differentiate the space, mm-hmm. especially with the wallpaper accent wall. It sort of like breaks them up a little well, bit. Well let me ask this, you know, Marshall. But- yes. What is there a better way for her to delineate those spaces? So as she's looking from this larger room, it's a living room, sitting room, kitchen dining room, sitting room, kitchen, into her sunroom. Is there a way to, like, what if she hung drapery panel or something between those two spaces? Or is there something? I would would use a little bit of molding. I'd use Uh a little bit of, I would frame those, uh, that that case, I would case the opening. So that it really, so bring the molding up all the way up. I think the rooms deserve uh, to be separated a bit. Okay. I am going to go into, back into the hallway. And actually, this is really this is really funny because um, uh, because Taryn, I'm looking at your background of your space right mm-hmm. there, and you've done something interesting that is an interesting idea for this space um, for the entry hall. She could paint it all the same color. She could paint it all the same color. Right. And so there, mm-hmm. the doors would disappear. You could paint it a you know a rich, stunning gray blue. Uh, that, but, but you have to do something with the floor then, and you have to have a lighter carpet there. And of course it is your entry and there's going to be staining and all that. So you're going to be concerned with that. But if you paint it dark or paint it something that, uh, and paint it, I love gloss because you don't want to paint the doors, you know, a flat paint, but paint the, paint it all glossy, paint it all one color and, uh, then do a light carpet and then put a uh, light colored, uh, then take your picture frames and, and uh, frame your pictures in light tones, like, uh, like white or cream or something like that. What about her ceiling? Should she paint the ceiling the same color in the entry? So it's a little... Mm, no, but when you paint, this is the interesting thing about dark rooms that, you are, that, that people never get, and I have to always try to stop people from making this mistake. When you, when you have a dark room, your ceiling, even though you may want it to appear white, you cannot paint it white because it's going to be too contrasting. It's just going to stick out like a sore thumb and it's going to look cheap. So what you want to do is you want to tint that ceiling with a darker color. Now, you can sometimes cheat and you can just use a little bit of the wall color and just tint the ceiling. Now, your moldings so that, so that you make sure that there's a little more... Um, there's not as much contrast. Mm-hmm. So if you have dark walls, that means your ceiling has to go darker. It can't be Stark. white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And always remember, like uh, the you know, 
actors have the fourth wall, which is the proscenium arch, but we decorators have the fifth wall, which is our ceiling. (laughs) So you always want to pay attention. In my book, you will notice that there is a lot of attention to the ceilings. If you look at my own mm -hmm. house, you'll see a lot of ceilings dealt with, um, either architecturally or with paper or um, with decorative art. There's a lot of things going on. I never leave them alone. No. So for her entryway, because I I love your idea about essentially camouflaging the doors with the color, but where where would she... Stop it. Stop the molding. (laughs) Well, I don't know her. I'm not wandering around her house, so I don't really quite know, but she has (laughs) to... Have us over. But you have to... (laughs) Yes, yes, Brenda, have us over. Call me. And and we definitely have to have some uh, Prosecco. (laughs) Um, but you have to make a you have to make a physical delineation now you've already brenda you've already made a physical delineation with the floor itself Mm -hmm. but where Mm -hmm. that floor leaps out you have to make i would uh, make a uh, a very tall cased opening there not a small cased opening or bring the crown around uh there so and, she could oh, so she could just simply where it kind of bleeds into the hallway, add a header at the top sort of I mean I'm simplifying exactly. it, but, but make yeah. it so it's actually you're entering the hallway so from the, the hallway entry be, of the home. Right. And so the, the hallway is, is a real room. You're not apologizing it and oh, this is just a way to get to the living room. And that'd be a super mm-hmm. simple stop. Oh, right. so smart. Marshall that yeah. is so smart. Look at you go. <laughs> <sighs> Why? Now I I have this is going to sound a little ridiculous, but it's a quite. I'm just looking at the space, going, hmm. I agree. I'm not in love with her entry flooring. Okay, it's not great. I gotta I gotta be honest. It's just not the best thing I've ever seen, Brenda. But is it possible at all to paint that? Could you paint it? No. It looks like it's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. It's not going to stick. I mean, Uh, the other thing is we could say just Brenda bite the bullet. Rip it up. But I mean, the other thing. I mean, describe what it looks like. It's like 12 by 12 tiles that look, they're all earth tones, but not the same. Mm -hmm. There's reds and dark grays. Yeah, it looks like it's a slate of some sort, which is very practical. Um, uh, Some are gray and some are tan and some are terracotta colored. You know, it's a very sort of natural stone looking it's like thing. what contractors want to have in their house but it doesn't look like <laughs> brenda's know? vibe when you look at no, everything else brenda's like got in her house this does not look like something mm-hmm. brenda would have ever chosen i mean brenda you mm-hmm. could choose to uh, take it up and use wood and then use uh, an indoor outdoor carpet or as i said by doing this idea with there are so many great indoor outdoor mm-hmm. not that i'm pushing my carpets but i but i've, but I've been, <laughs> no You're you all to? have great carpets but I have a line from Doris Leslie Blau of Couture um, Outdoor Carpets. And um, I spent a lot of time working on them uh, so that they, you know, they're reversible. So when you spill on them and you can wash them, you can wash them off with a hose. So those are great. And, but keep it close to the wall so that you're not seeing it. So that actually that stone just becomes this kind of textural background. Right. You don't see much at all. a textural all. border. Right. Yeah. Because okay. it may be too much to pull it up. Mm-hmm. Very practical advice. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Yes. You're welcome. Marshall, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, buy your book? Oh, you're so nice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm at um, Marshall on on. I'm at Instagram for Marshall Watson Interiors, 
Um, you can, uh, my, my book is called The Art of Elegance, um, Classic Design. And uh, it's published by Rizzoli. It's carried by, it's still on Amazon. It's been doing, actually, it's been one of the best sellers, which I've been really happy about. Beautiful book. Beautiful. It really is gorgeous. Thank you. And I think it gives you many, many ideas because there's many, as I said, I've had a, uh, a great variety of, of um, commissions in my life and in many different places. So there's, there's a tremendous amount of ideas and, um, and, uh, and inspirations. And mm -hmm. I think that that's, that's the name of the game to people who are doing it uh, for themselves. And there's nothing wrong with doing it for themselves. I always recommend a designer because I think designers will ultimately save you money. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I do, um, I, I hope that it'll be inspiring. Once again, The Art of Elegance by Rizzoli. Wonderful. Awesome. And I live in New York. Come visit. And I have a house in East Hampton, which is the very last, uh, the very last chapter in the book. And uh, you all are welcome to come visit. Yes. Oh, yes. The whole reason we had you on this podcast was to oh get my gosh. you to say that. Our car's already <laughs> packed. We're actually at the same house recording. We're ready to go. We got like, the RV ready. See you in a week. I'm a big gardener, by the way. I mean, I'm, I'm really uh, gardening is my second passion. And uh, ah. I have I have large garden. It's been published a lot. Um, it's been a digest. Well, we'll have to it's have you back a... then in the spring to talk about oh. that. Oh, I would, yes. I would I would I would love something to show we, it. We to don't you. talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, it's it's a big passion. And during COVID, I mean, as a friend of mine said, I bet you don't have a uh, a darn weed in your yeah, garden. Exactly. And so yeah. it, it's been great. I think a lot of people have discovered uh, gardening and have discovered mm -hmm. their uh, discovered nature. They've seen it unfold in front of them, especially up here in the Northeast where people, you know, they, they don't go to their, uh, they don't go out to the country or to their homes. Right. It's been an incredible experience. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Marshall. Of course. And everyone you. needs to go check out our Instagram TV because Marshall did an incredible video for us showing us um and we didn't even get because we honestly probably could have talked for another hour but we have to quit the show at some point we have to get a bed eventually so we didn't even talk about your hamptons house but they can see your favorite room in the hamptons house on our instagram tv yes. so everyone go check it out thank you and check out the, his book it's beautiful it really is yes. highly recommend it yeah oh wow thank you all i really this has been great fun let please let's do it again we'll do it again Promise in the spring. i love it all right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and follow us on social media. And the How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much exactly. happier. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy, happy decorating. decorating.